Welcome to another episode of Richmond Kickers Weekly. I'm your host, Taylor Rockwell. Daryl Grove is not with me in studio today. He will be back next week. Uh, But until Daryl returns, I am instead going to be talking to Richmond Kickers head coach David Bulow. David is uh, going to be with me on the phone uh, discussing the Kickers' recent disappointing loss to Orlando City B. Uh, They are in the midst of a two-game losing streak in the league, I think three games overall. Um, So we're going to be getting into sort of what's gone wrong for the Kickers lately, uh, what David Bulow thinks they need to do to fix it, as well as sort of his ways of dealing with the team after a loss, uh, some other topics in there as well. So hopefully you enjoy. I will now turn it over to me talking to David. With me now, I've got uh, Father of the Year and Richmond Kickers head coach David Bulow. David, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me after putting your youngest down. I appreciate that. Of course, anytime. So I'm, I'm assuming we'll have to kind of speak quietly. I'm, I'm going to try not to get you too animated so you don't wake up any napping children. No, it's all good. He sleeps like a rock. All right, there we go. But I I do want to start off with kind of an unpleasant note because the kickers uh, lost midweek to Orlando City B. Uh, Then you all kind of traveled back. I'm wondering for you, after a disappointing loss, like how do you go about that road trip back? Like, is there are there harsh words after the game, and then you sort of try to like pick people up on the journey home, or is it sort of like what's done is done? Let's just move on from here immediately after the game. Yeah, hard to tell. It's a little bit of both. I I think it also kind of depends on kind of previous conversations, how we're feeling the moment, kind of the the result of the performance. I thought I thought Wednesday was really challenging because mm-hmm. every single metric we had, we controlled the game, we dominated possession. I think for they're a team that wants the ball and wants to possess. I think they had less than three hundred passes. Uh, they're around 70% passing percentage. So that's an indication that our, our defending was good. Uh, we had 60% of the possession, just short of 500 passes. Um, they're a team that creates quite a few chances. So I think that was the only thing that we missed, that, that we didn't win statistically with shots, but really the quality of chances favored us as well. Um, so it was a really difficult game to assess straight afterwards without watching the video, without really breaking down the numbers. Um, really what I told the team was there was just three moments. I mean, the the first goal, we knew they were going to play short on everything. Mm-hmm. And we kind of fell asleep on that first goal. So three minutes in, it's kind of like, come on, guys. I mean, I mean, it was just a matter of concentration from that. The second goal came from a throw-in. Uh, the third goal was obviously a bad challenge from Yvonne for the penalty, but even Akira got a hand to it. So, uh, you know, we created chances. Joe had a couple chances. DJ had a wide open goal that he probably should score. So if you really zoom out and look at that game, was it a game that we could have won? Yes. Am I frustrated again that there's little details that we're missing? Yes. Um, do we need a break? A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, the, the the amount of games that we played compared to them had a factor, but it's not an excuse. And were the referees poor? Yes, uh, but that's also not a not a a reason to to blame the loss. So it, it was just a frustrating day, and and they need to know that there's little details in all facets of of their game that they have to pay attention to, and little things off the field that might not make sense to them or, or not matter to them in the moment 
bleed over to little details that they're missing. And that was the difference I thought on Wednesday from winning and losing. So one of those little details I'm assuming would be the kind of set piece defending. It's been, I would say, if not an issue, then a concern that there've been a couple different times where it felt like some players switched off or maybe there was just kind of like not the correct approach, I guess, in dealing with the set pieces the way you all have wanted. So like in that moment for you as the coach, is there like are you frust- is there frustration is there like an inclination to sub that player out like how do you go about kind of dealing with things if you feel like we've dealt with this in practice we've dealt with it in training why is it still happening I mean ultimately that's that's a fault of me mm-hmm. as a coach I mean uh, mm-hmm. it, when when it happens once or twice maybe it's it's a problem of the player but if it's consistently an issue then then I have to reflect on myself as a coach and and that's a hundred percent the case here. We gave him a few few days off. Uh, actually, Mika's on my way to, on his way to my house right now. During nap time, we have a, a super secret kitchen table nap time meeting uh, <laughs> to kind of go over some things to get ready before we start up getting ready for Texas. So we're very aware that uh, there there must be a breakdown in communication from me to the players. Um, so it's something we just have to focus on and persist with. But again. Uh, you know what we're what we're trying to do is a bit more ambitious than than mm-hmm. than maybe what the rest of the league is is doing or or thinking of, and and it's going to take time. So, are these breakdowns just part of the learning process? And I would like to think that the learning would happen faster, but it's we have to be patient. Um, and kind of the the tired kind of example is. Mm-hmm. You know, Rio Ferdinand saying that there's no way that Pep can do what he did at Barcelona and, and Bayern Munich in England because culturally they couldn't do it. And, you know, Rio looks like a fool now, you know, after a 6 0 FA Cup win in a trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. So, not not that I'm comparing myself to Pep Guardiola in any way, but if we're going to try to do something that's so different than, than what the rest of the league is used to or maybe this country is used to, and again, I say that with all humility, then it's going to take some time uh, to, to get that going. So, like, my read then with that in mind, uh, like, in the first 20 minutes was that you all were trying to build out of the back as you have this season. Orlando, it seemed, made it difficult to play forward from the fullback. So, like, if one of the fullbacks got the ball, it felt like there weren't many options. Uh, and then I think they did a very good job of marking Hughes and Gallardo when they tried to drop in to kind of provide other outlets. Is is that about right? And I'm wondering, if it is then, like, what is your plan B when it feels like, okay, our midfield options are marked off, we can't kind of play forward wide, what do you do from there? The way they were playing, the midfield options were not completely marked out. Okay. There was one or two options left because they run out of players. It's just our recognition of it or understanding of it. Um, so when the ball comes into a right back in the midfield team, they should be preparing. They should be communicating a bit faster with the opposition to say, this is where the op- uh, the option is going to be. If the opposition takes away one, two, then three is on. If they take away three and four, then one or two. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of a, a a quick evaluation and understanding of where your options are, so you can play faster. And that was the problem because um, we had we had options available. It's just our processing is just a little bit slow at this point, and that's why I think it's more of a learning option. Mm-hmm. Can we can we work on our rotations and make sure the rotations are clear a hundred percent? And that's what we're going to do. Can we make small adjustments? Uh, I mean, that that's some of it as well. But it's just getting an understanding and and having a comfort 
under pressure uh, to make those decisions. The wind also didn't help one bit because that kind of eliminated a long option. Uh, you know, if, if Connor or Yvonne were trying to play almost over the top to break that pressure, the wind just knocked it right down. So that became a difficult situation in the first half that we were aware of, but we had to cope with it. And we just didn't do great with it. But when we did find those options playing through the midfield on the ground and didn't have to contest with the wind, I thought we did well. Eli's goal was a perfect example of that. You know, we forced them into a decision and then, uh, and then pick the right choice and, and put Eli in. So, um, so it's just a matter of comfort more than anything for me. Um, and, and, and belief that what we're saying is going to work. I mean, maybe there's an obvious answer to this question, which is when we start scoring a bunch of goals. But, like, what are the things if people are watching, if if fans are watching these games, like, what are some things you think that, that like, would be telltale signs that it is starting to click, that players are starting to understand? Is it, like, like faster in the kind of turning and playing forward? Is it faster in switching the point of attack? Like, what do you think people watching could kind of look to to see, like, oh, okay, they are kind of picking it up, they're doing it a little bit better this time? So the genius of the game, right, the, the, Whoever invented soccer, Johnny Soccer, back 150 years ago in England. Yeah, I think that was it. Johnny Soccer, for sure. Definitely him. I think think he's it. I saw it on Wikipedia. The beauty of the game is the space is too big for that many players. So if we're going to get pressed, which we will get pressed a lot until we can sort this out, they they can't press us and cover the space in their own half. They have to take a choice. You know, Jose Mourinho, I'm sure you're well aware, his choice was, okay, you can have the ball by your own goal. You just can't have it, but you can't have the space in front of my goal. Yeah. Um, horrifically boring, but it's, it's, it's a tactic. So if teams are going to press us, you'll know we're doing well if we're creating quick breakaway chances consistently when teams are stepping high up. And, yeah, so if we can play forward faster under more control, you'll know it's working. Um, but, but that's, that's what I've said to the team. I said, you know, Lansing, they, they pressed us because they're built to do that. Um, I, I think it's interesting that they've had a lot of success against us and not as much against everybody else because those teams aren't really trying to play from the back. They're, they're very quick to get the ball forward. And so if you're going to press and somebody just launches it over the top of you, your press isn't going to be very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also set a type of blueprint. And I've told the team already is that if, if you want to, if you want to dominate possession, you're going to have to deal with the press. And until we can prove that we can play through a press, nobody's or everybody's going to press us. But as soon as we can consist, consistently build through it and, and create chances, then people are going to stop pressing. You know, it, not many teams press Man City and Barcelona just because there's it's it's not worth it. I mean, they're just going to play right through, and you don't have anybody else to protect your goal. So um, it, it's just a continual learning process that we're getting punished for it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just have to work on the little details of how to, to bypass those advanced numbers. So re- results, at least very recent results have not gone your way. And that I imagine helps kind of keep people motivated, keeps keep people wanting to kind of implement the system and learn it. When things aren't going well, say after this result against Orlando, how do you sort of make 
the training sessions enjoyable for the players because there's so much we we hear talked about with managers who do emphasize possession, who do emphasize kind of like high octane, you got to move, you got to move, you always got to be moving and trying to find space. Like that can lead to burnout a little bit. So I'm wondering what your approach is to kind of keeping players motivated, keeping players into it and keeping them enjoying it basically. There's, there's something recently, uh, Christian Lavers from the ECNL did a talk about a month or two ago. Um, and he talked about, and this is in the youth sense, but, but it's applicable just because it's soccer. There's, there's physical fatigue, but there's also cognitive fatigue. Um, so yes, you're right. If you're, if you're in your training sessions going tactics, 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 they're going thinking, 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 and it becomes really challenging cognitively. And so you have to filter in, Hey, you don't think just go out and play and you can work those in your session. So, uh, I'm, I'm big on the game teaching the ideas. So they need to learn these concepts concepts within the context of the game and think about it. You want to go to practice and play soccer. And so we play a lot of soccer. And so it, you'll, you'll probably start to, I, I don't think the guys have a problem with coming with training because they're playing a lot of soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing gimmicky about anything that we do in training you know, it's isolating some situations and tying that context to what it looks like in 11 v 11. So we, we can start with the goalkeeper, play to midfield, and then stop it. And then do it again just to deal with the press. But then we'll play 11 v 11 to try to fit that context, or that, that idea into the context of 11 v 11. Um, and that's something that youth coaches can't do as well because you usually have 14 players and a quarter of the field. And that's the nice thing about us that, we have access to full fields. I've got 26 guys at training, so you can really tie it back into the context of playing. So as long as you're creating some games and situations throughout the week, and that's really meticulously planned, um, it becomes quite easy to train because you're going to play soccer. And, and, and if you're tying that back to the results, yes, it's frustrating. We're losing, Mm -hmm. but we've lost two games of the nine by more than one goal. Uh, one game was NCFC. Sorry, eleven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, NCFC, we lost three to one, and Lansing away, we lost three to one. But that three to one away was with yeah. ten men. So everything's close. Everything's really on the knife edge. You know, if God, I think if DJ scores against uh, Greenville away, uh, if DJ and and Joe score against Orlando, all of a sudden we've drawn one away. Are we really feeling that bad about ourselves? You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's so close here to going well. And I think you have to be mindful of, yes, we won, but we didn't play well. Or we lost, but we, the performance was decent. It's just those three moments that let us down on Wednesday. So I, I want to be careful on only looking at the results. Mm-hmm. And, and making sure that the progress in the, the, the principles are the key for us. And I think they are. And you have to make sure that you, you find times to dig in them when they're not getting it, but also, you know, applaud them for, for when they're doing things the right way. Um, you mentioned North Texas SC. I do want to move on to your game against them in a minute, but I have a, another question for you about Orlando City first. Um, this was an Orlando City team that I think coming into this game were bottom of the table. I think they'd only won one game. And I think there was like some expectation. Like I saw some f- fans kind of getting excited about like, oh, we're going to hang a few goals on them. This is going to be like a good confidence builder. I'm wondering, do you think that f- 
kind of like bleeds into the players' minds as well and kind of factors into how they prepare for games like this because it did seem to me like there were moments, especially in the first half, where like I've played in those games where I thought the other team was sort of like, oh, you guys have nothing to play for. You're not going to care about this. And then suddenly they're really up for it. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we had an agreement. You guys weren't going to be going really hard in this game. And it did feel like there were moments when, when the kickers players were a little bit like outworked for the ball. And I'm wondering, do you think that there is like like an element of the psychological – like or the like psychological vulnerability, I guess, of like, oh, Orlando City aren't very good. We can kind of go in and kind of give it to them, and then when things don't go your way, it's harder to kind of come back from. Uh, maybe. I mean, that's that's hard to tell. I mean, you're getting into the brains of mm-hmm. of 18 individuals, which I think is hard. It, it's very possible. Um, I know from the motivation side of it, I, I've said, look, if we take care of our business and do things the right way for us, then we're going to have a very good chance of winning. Um, I think, I think we have more quality top to bottom than, than Orlando does. I think that's clear, Mm -hmm. but you're right on any day, anybody can, uh, anybody can win. Um, I mean, man, you beat PSG. I mean, who would have thought that was, you know what I mean? It's kind of like PSG was the better team, but man, you knocked them out of the, the, the champions league. So that, that can happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a challenging question. I think mm-hmm. um, there's probably some of that, but it's it's almost impossible to tell, really. All right, then I have, I have one more slightly negative question, then we can move on to happier topics, potentially. But I do have to ask you about your face, uh, because in the 52nd minute, have you seen the uh, the still images of, of your face from this game? Ronnie Pascal did that. My <laughs> wife has always said that I have a very stretchy face, so I don't, I don't get to see it very often, but... Uh- yeah, so it was quite stretchy. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, like, because I, I think the way I have it characterized is I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Actually, I'm mad and disappointed is a little bit what it looked like. Do you remember what it was in that moment that was causing you to sort of uh, lo- look upon the field with sadness? A hundred percent. Okay. Referees. Okay. It was the referees. Right. There's nothing more that I hate in this world than a referee that won't have a conversation. It's, it drives me nuts. Right. Um, and, and that was, I was trying to have a conversation with a ref and he was blanking me and I was just asking for clarification. I'm, I'm really quite polite <laughs> to referees, uh, comparatively. Um, and, and I just want to have a conversation and I wasn't getting it and I was getting frustrated with them more than anything. So, uh, obviously my team, the fact that we weren't executing to to the level that I think we're capable of didn't help <laughs> with my mental state in the moment. But yeah, that was all about the refs. And, all right. <laughs> uh, just just talk to me. That's all I want. <laughs> just somebody talk to me. All right, that makes sense. Um, I just I just want somebody to talk to. You. It's as simple as that. <laughs> um, Thanks, Taylor. Uh, I, I was sitting here alone talking to a four year old and a one year old, and then you called. So. I, that, that's what I'm here for. That's that's that's. <laughs> I'm happy to be of service. Uh, I do want to ask. So you all have this weekend off. Uh, then you host North Texas SC on June 1st. They have not lost the season. Six wins, one draw. They have Toronto midweek, who I think are bottom of the table. So they're probably going to be 7-0-1 when they come to Richmond. Um, why do you think they've been so strong so far? And what, like, not necessarily what is your game plan to stop them, but like, sort of what do you plan to do over these nine days to kind of pick the players back up, get them ready for a team that is probably going to be at the top of the table or near the top of the table for most of the season? Our motivation is is the same. It's been all the season for us. It's it's to win. It's win the regular season and win win the playoffs. I mean that's that's pretty easy. I mean that's why everybody's here. Um, so it's easy to bounce back. That we're in fourth place. 
Um, you know, the sky is not falling. There's there's still two thirds of the season to go. Who's to say that we can't go on a seven and zero run just like Texas has? And now we're we're joint top. In, you know, in two months time. So that's that. That's to start. I think this league is going to be very up and down. I think. I mean, they've they've played Orlando and and Toronto quite a bit, and I don't want to I don't want to take anything away from them because you you play the teams that are in front of you. And, you know, we, we lost to Orlando. I, I think it'd be foolish to write off Toronto. Um, I think it's a pretty even competitive league. That being said, Texas, I think what they had, their strength is it's a continuation from one of the best academies in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, they're going to be a bulk of those guys that have played together since they were 11 years old uh, under the same kind of style, under the same system and the same principles and methods. Of, of play and of coaching and there's this a consistency that is unique. I, I remember hearing the the other podcast. I won't say their name because I only listen to yours. But somebody told me that's, about that's the correct uh, answer. Another correct another thing. yeah another podcast uh, that they thought that Tormenta would do quite well because they essentially had the core of their PDL team from last year that was moving to this league. And while that's true. Um, you know, the, the, the type of soccer that they're playing and their style and the consistency of the group has been the same for, you know, almost almost a decade for some of these kids, you know, five, ten years. I mean, that's that's what I'm fighting against right now. I mean, imagine, I, I keep saying to, to Mika, I said, what if we had this exact same group next year? And now we, we're doing less teaching and more refining and more perfecting or, or elaborating more on what we're doing. I think that that that's a big factor on, on team success. It's it's why why can a mid-major uh, basketball team in the NCAA tournament compete with future NBA players because he's got four seniors starting that have played together for four years. You know that consistency and message and topic and style and familiarity with each other goes a long way um, my hope with texas is they're not used to playing for eight months in a long hot summer and maybe they'll get some burnout but i doubt it i think they, they've shown that they're going to be one of the better teams in the league and i'm excited to to test ourselves against that uh, you know we we played probably the best half of soccer that we have against ncfc in the first half and those are against some really top quality pros so if we can do that against them um, there's no reason we can't do that against Texas, but it will definitely be a challenge. There's no right. question about that. So challenging game against North Texas, I see on June 1st. Uh, one more question, David, and then I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, you mentioned the idea of like how much better you all might be or how much more cohesive of a unit it would be if you were able to kind of keep players from one season to the next. I'm wondering how realistic of a possibility do you think that will be? Because kickers have tended to be a club that kind of has a lot of turnover. Maybe they keep a couple players for like multi-year contracts, but generally speaking, there's a lot of turnover. Is that something that you would like to see changed or you hope gets changed? No, I mean, I think there's some balance that I think we, we want to be a club that kind of gets guys in and they play well and they move on and make a name for themselves. And, and hopefully the kickers were part of their journey to, to top level soccer. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be some guys, Matt Bullock wanted to stay, Scotty wanted to stay, Connor wanted to stay, uh, Braden wanted to come back. So there's some people that really love Richmond and, and love the kickers, and, and hopefully they, they at least like playing for me, that they want to stick around for a couple of years. But, but saying that, I mean, the contracts that we, we put together 
were most of them were for for two year uh at least two year options so um i think there's going to be a bulk of this group back um there's some they're going to move on of course it's just natural uh in in pro sports and and you know, I, I gotta, I won't put them out here, but there was, I've had players come to me, you know, say, Hey, my name is so-and-so, you know, I like the way you guys are playing. Josh Hughes did that last year. Mm-hmm. So my, my hope is that you'll get some players and say, Hey, there's a reputation for the kickers that they play good soccer. It's a fun place to play. It's a great city. Uh, they're competitive. I want to go there. So if we can start bringing some top talent to come with the core that we already have, I think the future looks good for us. Um, it's just hard right now because we're, we're learning so much. And, you know, if you keep a good group around, they can become teachers for the next guys that come in as well. Say, Hey, this is how, this is how Dave does things. Uh, this is what's expected here. I'll, I'll help you watch video to get it right. And, and maybe there's less learning as we move forward, but um, it's an exciting prospect. I mean, we're, Meek and I are determined. We're going to get this right, um, and and we're not going to back down from our principles um, uh, to make it make it what we want it to be, what you expect it to be. All right. Well, you're so determined that you're having a secret uh, what kitchen table nap time meeting. So I don't want to keep you nap time kitchen table meeting. Yeah. There yeah, we it's go. Starting, uh, it starts in ten minutes, and <laughs> I've got to make some uh, finger foods and order. Meek is very particular <laughs> about that. Um, he he wants. Not sweet tea, but tea with sugar, so he can sweeten himself. He's he's a bit of a monster. A, a man after my own heart, I must say. Uh, but yes, I will let you go. <laughs> I will let you go. Prepare for all that. I, I appreciate that you have such dedication to both uh, the spread and your team tactics. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, David, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, just one more thing. I'm looking forward to tomorrow uh, because European Arsenal is playing, not England Arsenal. So uh, I'm looking forward to a, a good European win tomorrow. If Chelsea was playing English Arsenal, we'd be in trouble. But uh, European <laughs> Arsenal is a different prospect. So, all right. Well, come on, you Gunners. I, I won't say worst of luck or best of luck. I eh, fine. Best of luck to your Gunners. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll begrudgingly say that. But yes, uh, enjoy tomorrow and uh, enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll, we will see you uh, next weekend for North Texas SC.